us stand. My comfort, my shelter, tower of refuge and strength. Let every breath, all that I am, never cease to worship. my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty
Brother Luther, if you come. To the Lord, all ye earth, let us sing. Power and majesty, praise to the King. Mountains bow down and the sea will roll and the sound of your name. I sing for joy at the to what is happening where we're at now living in in the spirit of God and Christ Jesus heaven on earth it's the only hell we'll ever see amen but we do have a greater promise coming if you have a request upon your hearts this morning amen for loved ones for finances for sickness significant others oh just amen let's pray father I love you this morning Lord and Lord as we you look out over this congregation this morning father Lord the apple of your eye Lord these precious these people are so precious to you that you shed your blood the purchase of the blood of Jesus Christ this morning and Father, there were hands that went up for requests. Lord, for loved ones, for sickness. Father, I pray that you'd hear each and every request. We worship you this morning in spirit and in truth. And as we gather the tithes and offerings, I pray that you have blessed the cheerful giver, Father. Lord, the greatest gift that you've given to man, the opening of the word, we pray that you would just manifest your ministry today. Bless these visitors that have come, and I pray that you would just, Lord, give them the portion that is allotted for them this morning. Help us move each and every one of us to move out of the way to worship you, Father, from our hearts. For you will not, Lord, ignore our worship. You will respond, and we thank you for that. We praise and worship you today in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Let's have our seats. Amen. Man, we're going to do something a little different today. We're going to, we have quite a few specials. Amen. We're going to get my dad to come up. We practice a song together. So come on, Pops. Amen. Let's give Brother Smith a hand. Amen. 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 
We will send greetings to all the guests, amen, this morning. God bless you in the name of Jesus, amen. Let's give the Lord a great I know it's a bit cold, but the Holy Spirit will warm your soul this morning. Amen. Come on up here, Bob. There's a storm out on the ocean, and it's heading this way.
be seated, amen. Sister Lily, amen. Let's give her a hand, man. Then you 
special for us today. Amen. God bless you, my brother.
Amen, amen. How many is ready for the word today? Amen. Let us stand. I'm going to sing because he lives. Can face tomorrow. God sent his son. They called him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. He bled and died to
since I've seen all you. Amen. Praise the Lord. But we're uh, planning uh, to have a afternoon, late afternoon, early evening service this evening and um, for our communion and foot washing. Amen. Last day of the year. Amen. Praise the Lord. So we don't, uh, we're not doing a watch night per se. We're just starting at five o'clock. Amen. We're happy to have you all here in the house of God today. Turn around, shake hands with somebody, say, God bless you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good to see you. Praise the Lord, brother. The uh, Bowman's here, the whole Bowman family. Praise the Lord. Brother Doug, good to see you. Happy to have all of you all here, all the different visitors. Amen. Praise the Lord. Harwell family also, Sister Lily's family. Amen. Is that you singing, Sister Lily? Praise the Lord. I thought so. Amen. Making sure she got that in. <laughs> Amen. So God bless you. Happy to have other visitors here with us today. Amen. Praise the Lord. We have heat. Praise God. Amen. I thought I might have to preach in a high gear today. Get everybody shouting and jumping and get us all warmed up. But uh, we, um, we have our service text up over your head working. And we got it, got it going. Praise the Lord. We're going to um, look right into the Word of God this morning, and I just, you know, um, I've just been trying to make sure I find the exact mind of the Lord. I've had this thought on my heart for quite some time, actually, and um, just trying to figure out exactly what all the Lord wants to cover today. I don't think we can it at all, but we want to make sure we have exactly what the Lord wants. I want to speak to you today on the last sermon of Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're on the last day of the year. Amen. So I thought, and I didn't plan it that way, honestly. Um, I had probably several, as you know, I was finishing that series and I probably had more than half a dozen. I did have well more than a half a dozen sermon simmering on the back burner. Amen. And so when I saw the Lord bring this one to the forefront, I was, I thought how ironic on the last day of the year, I would preach the last sermon of Jesus the Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 30. <clears throat> Amen. And we're going to, uh, sorry to leave you standing. We're going to catch three different places And just a reminder that uh, we will be having um, afternoon service starting at 5 o'clock, communion, foot washing. And uh, we're, we're going to kind of abbreviate everything. We'll just have a few songs to open up with. And then we'll go right to the scripture reading. Amen. And <clears throat> have the communion and then um, foot washing. Amen. <clears throat> so that'll be starting at 5 o'clock this afternoon. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 30, and I just want to catch these verses 1 through 7, and then we're going to head to Luke's gospel, but let's catch this one first. Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 1. Now, before I read, I want the reason I'm taking three, and that's unusual for me, uh, I, I'm following a theme, and you're going to catch it. And I want to just go ahead and tip you off so that you will catch it as we read. We're, you know, 
really only one being with all power. Amen? Any real power. As far as unlimited power, there's only one. Amen? Praise the Lord. So I want you to absorb. Brother, I enjoyed that song. God bless you. See you standing there. Welcome Amen. today. Uh, there's different ones with us. Um, you, you, you're, I want you to observe that who's really in charge of everything. Hey, Michael, praise the Lord. God bless you, bud. Happy to see you here. Wow, I thought, I know that, brother. Wow. Praise the Lord. All right. Still seeing visitors. Let me, brothers in the back, God bless you. Happy to have you. All the different ones uh, here today. We got some good news for Sister Smith. That's right. Praise the Lord. We're happy in the Lord for her. Amen. And Sister Jean is recovering. Amen. Her buddy's here, Sister Evelyn. But uh, Sister Jean is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. Amen. All right. Back to the scripture. All right. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. So, uh, you know, there's all kinds of people step up and claim authority, but there's really only one. And I'm going to take three passages, and I want you to notice who's really in charge. All right? Verse 1, Jeremiah 30. And the, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord God of Israel, saying, Write thee all the words that I have spoken unto thee in a book, for lo, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will, I will bring again the captivity of my people Israel and Judah, saith the Lord, and I will cause them to return to the land. I will cause them to, that I gave to their fathers, and they shall possess it. And these are the words that the Lord spake concerning Israel and concerning Judah. For thus saith the Lord, we have heard a voice of trembling, of fear, and not of peace. Ask you now and see whether a man doth travail with child. Wherefore do I see every man with his hands on his loins as a woman in travail, and all faces are turned into paleness. Alas, for that day is great so that none is like it it is even the time of Jacob's trouble but he shall be saved out of it that's quite an authoritative statement would you agree Jacob's trouble of course is the tribulation period Luke chapter 19 it's uh, we call it the tribulation period in the Bible calls it the great day of tribulation but in there in the Old Testament it's referred to as the time of Jacob's trouble Luke chapter 19, just two verses there. Want to catch verse 26 and 27. Now, this, of course, is where a king went into a far country to receive a kingdom, and he left uh, his servants in charge. Amen. And when he went away, the people, the citizens, sent a, sent a message after him saying, we will not have you or your servants to rule over us, all right? Now, let's catch it. He comes back. You know the story. One had brought forth this many, and one had brought forth that many, and one had not brought forth any. Verse 26, for I say unto you that unto every one which hath shall be given, and from him that hath not 
Even that he hath shall be taken away from him. But those mine enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. Amen. First Timothy chapter 6, and this will be uh, the last place that I, I want to read. Amen. Praise the Lord. First Timothy, Paul's first pastoral letter after he writes lengthy letters to the Thessalonian church. He writes to Timothy in chapter 6, and we're going to just catch verses 13 to 16. I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we commit ourselves into your hands now, Lord, and I pray that you'll just let my heart, Lord, be led by thee <clears throat> as we've looked much, Lord, at this thought, trying to discern exactly the, 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 where the Spirit is leading. So now I, I'm committed into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, friends. You can be seated. Amen. Praise the Lord. Don't know how far we'll get, but we'll get as far as we can. How's that? Yes, I, I greeted them. Amen. <clears throat> there is coming a day when Jesus will preach his last sermon. To the masses. And we're going to look at that just in a moment. We won't, we won't um, go too far into it, but I, but, I, but I do want to just, and you won't even have to turn and don't try to follow me, Noah, because I'm going to move quickly. Uh, but we're going to refer to Matthew 25 just in a moment, just as a reference. And <clears throat> in fact is uh, just, just to, uh, all right, Noah, I've changed my mind already. Matthew 25. Amen. Praise the Lord. I think I, I think this would be a good idea for you to catch this and uh, now that you're seated. Amen. Matthew 25, 31 to 46. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory and before him shall be gathered all nations 
and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Now catch this 34th verse. Then shall the king say, now I'm reading you the text of the last sermon to the masses of Jesus Christ. And I'm actually already have his sermon notes. <laughs> then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him saying, When saw we thee hungry and fed thee or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer, he's continuing on in his sermon now. The king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. I think it's a sad final judgment on humanity that ends up going to a place that was actually prepared for the devil and his angels. And people who lament that God sends people to hell, I'm glad a prophet cleared the air on that. God doesn't send anybody to hell. Men send themselves there. Hell was not created for humans. In fact is, hell hath enlarged itself because it became an overcrowded prison. It was never designed and built originally for humans. It was built for the devil and his angels. Sadly, people down through millennia have allowed the devil to influence them just like those fallen angels did. And now they're headed to the same place prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and took me not in. Naked you clothed me not. Sick and in prison and you visited me not. Then shall they also answer him saying, Lord, when saw we thee hungry or a thirst or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister unto thee. Then shall he answer them saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me proving that those who are the family of God, who house the word of God, that when the enemy bothers you, he's bothering God. Amen? Praise the Lord. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Now this, of course, is at the end of the great... uh, It's at the end of the tribulation. It's at the end of the thousand-year millennium. This is, this is why I called it the last sermon of Jesus the Christ. It's the last time he's going to preach to the masses. And we, we realize that on that day when he begins to announce his judgment and, and all of his judgments are, 
are pure. All of his words are true. All of his ways are just. There's nobody, you know, you, you first have uh, the, the iniquitous people who rise up and say, well, wait a minute, hold on. Did not we preach in thy name and do all kinds of things in thy name? And that's when Jesus will say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Now, it's interesting that they, that they try to claim to say, hey, we did all of these works in your name. We, 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 we acted like Christians. We went to church like Christians. We read Bibles like Christians. But he will say, yes, but you did it, but your heart was always evil. You, it, was never, it was never in your heart to do that. You say, well, then how would they have such an audacity to stand in front of the judge of all men's hearts and try to claim such a technical, take such a, a legal argument? Uh, and I will tell you why they do it then, because that's what they do now. And they've been used to doing that. They've been used to just joining a church and everybody think they're a Christian. They've been used to just quoting out of the Bible or singing gospel songs and pretending to be something they weren't and everybody went along with it. So now they're coming forward. They're, all they're doing is what they've always tried to do and they've got by with it, but nobody is going to escape this judge. Nobody is going to get by with an insincere confession of Christ. Those days here are done. That's it. There's nobody going to make that claim. And in, in, in perfect contradistinction, you have the unwise virgin and, and the different ones who of a pure heart who maybe, who maybe never did the works or the exploits of all of these people who build all of their big worldwide iniquitous ministries, but yet in their heart they observe good. And in their heart, as best they could, they were righteous people, and the Bible calls them righteous. The righteous shall, shall say to the king, this isn't the bride. The bride are on the throne. The bride aren't being judged. We're already judged now. We're already standing before the judgment seat of God of Christ and we're being judged now by the word I don't want to go there and be judged then I'll take it right here and right now but we find that the righteous shall say to the king and the king shall say to the righteous and that and then in the book of revelation they're actually called saints saints means sanctified one so it's not going to do you any good uh, to to try to be in a church or call yourself a Christian if you're not even going to allow common decency and sanctification to work in your life. I'm sorry, those people by the billions are going to perish. But I'm glad that Jesus, you know, looks beyond just his elected family, just his elected bride. And Jesus would say, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the meek and, and, and they shall inherit the earth. So God is not unaware and I'm glad he's the arbiter of every man's heart. I'm so glad that I don't have to figure all that out. All I got to do is work out my salvation with fear and trembling in his presence. All I, my job is to preach the gospel, to tell you to apply a token to your home. I'm here to tell you God will figure it all out. 
I'm so glad that I don't have to determine that. We'd get it wrong. We surely would. So there's coming this day when Jesus will preach his last sermon to the masses and this will certainly be the largest audience of all time. It will literally be the audience of all time. And on that day, he's going to prove beyond all doubt that he is, first of all, very real. And all the critics who said he wasn't real, are they ever going to get a surprise? He's going to prove that he's not only very real, but that he alone is the only being that has real, unlimited power. Moreover, it's, it's going to become clear that, that, that no matter really what has happened down through history, that really that he had all power and was always in control was always true. And it's going to become clear that he alone will have the final say. I'm glad to know that my future goes on from that sermon. I'm glad to know that my life is not ending at that time. I'm glad to know that my future is clear and that my future is bright. Brother Branham was told this. He worried about his ministry and worried about his life and worried about his mistakes. Boy, we do that, don't we? And he's coming to God and he had made a mistake and he had disobeyed the Lord. Amen? Uh, Do we do that? And he's got the question that we have often had for our own selves and because we've also made mistakes and we've also missed opportunities and Brother Branham did both. Missed a great opportunity and as great as his Africa campaign was, how much greater it would have been had he obeyed the Lord and how much less, how how he would not have had to suffer had he not let preachers take him aside. And, and we've had that. We've come to God in repentance and say, Lord, I'm so sorry. I did the wrong thing. I, I knew you were telling me different and I did it anyway. And please forgive me. I'm glad I'm hearing the same message. Your future is clear. My future is clear. Your future is clear. I say it all the time. Our future is bright, friends. When that, when that, when that trial is over, when that last sermon of Jesus the Christ is preached to the masses and he separates the sheep from the, he separates the good from the bad as a shepherd would separate sheep from goats. And, uh, you know, and, 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 and those who are cast into uh, destruction with the devil and his angels, I, I'm glad that 10,000 years will just be started. Amen. I love that old song. I woke up this morning and had to play it. And at 10,000 years, the song says, we've just begun. The battle will be over and the victory will be won. 10,000 years and we will have just begun. I just say today, take courage, friends. Let come what may. Let the heathen rage. The heathen will always rage. 10,000 years. I'll still be going strong. When Jesus preached his second to last sermon to the masses, I'm talking about to the masses he preached all through his ministry three and a half years uh, on a Roman calendar, three years on a Jewish calendar. And he, he preached you know, on the, the Mount of Olives. He preached in the temple. He preached in the 
porch area. He, he preached in homes. He preached in synagogues, crowd here, crowd there. Sometimes the crowds were so much so that he had to get in a boat and push off a little bit because they filled the bank. But, but that's, that's not like when he descended into the lower parts of the earth. This was like the great white throne judgment that we read about in in Matthew 25. We're going to find that that's his last sermon to the masses. His second to last sermon to the masses is when he descended into the lower parts of the earth to preach to souls in prison. Bible declares that, that he that ascended is the same that first He that ascended first descended into the lower parts of the earth. The Bible says he preached to those souls in prison who repented not in the days of Noah. I want to tell you something. Never never was it more true at that moment that he spoke to a captive audience. A captive audience and, 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 and at that moment, people who had not repented from the time of of Cain all the way back who, who arrogantly decided to go his own way and reject God's mercy in his word. God's mercy is always in his word. It's always where you find it. And it, it went on from Cain and you can see it in his descendants. And Cain is, you know, he's put a mark and anybody that destroys him will be destroyed. And, and then you go on through his lineage and you come to the fourth chapter of Genesis and you find Lamech. Now, there's, you know, Cain chose, you see those names, you see Enoch and Lamech on, on Cain's side and then Enoch and all of these on, on uh, Seth's side. That's just because civilization was just beginning to burgeon through the earth and you find that this descendant of Cain, a direct descendant of Cain in Genesis 4, 23 and 24, we're not going to read it today. But, you know, the problem was, was his arrogance, you know, all the, and because he said, you know, if, if this is what happened to Cain, you know, then, then seven times, I, I, seven times upon me. And the problem was not what he had done. He'd actually killed a man to his wounding, meaning it was killed him in self-defense. A young man tried to kill him and he defended himself. That wasn't the problem. God, I don't think, would have condemned him for defending his life, but that he boasted about it, that he was arrogant about it, Amen. that it was still that same defiance. I did it my way. I'm going to live my life and nobody's going to tell me what to do with my life. What I'd like to know is who told you it was your life? Did you give it to yourself? Can you keep it? Can you keep the air in your lungs right now if it wasn't for God? No wonder the Bible says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Our old Mace Jackson used to always say, if you're not going to praise him, stop breathing because you're breathing his air that he gives you. I'm here to tell you something, friends. We ought to praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So here Jesus goes down and he descends into the lower parts of the earth. He's preaching to all those from Cain to Lamech and all the way up through to the days of Noah and even beyond. Those who repented not. And the sad part to me about that verse is those who repented not in the long-suffering days. God, God started pronouncing judgment on the world 
but he waited and kept Noah preaching for 120 years. My goodness, you're talking about a God rich in mercy. To, pre- to have him preach for 120 years. And, 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 and here he is now. And then not only those, but those who were lodged on the sides of the pit that Isaiah and Ezekiel spoke of. Isaiah, when he discerned the heart of Lucifer, how that Lucifer, you remember in Isaiah 14, Lucifer, his desire was to ascend above the stars, which was the sons of God, was the family of God. Don't, don't lose sight of it that God, that Satan wants to have a position higher than you. Don't lose sight of that. Now, he, now there's, he can't climb higher than you, so what he does is he tries to pull you lower than him. Don't let him. Resist the devil. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the enemy, and he will flee from you. Hallelujah. See? So he says, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Isaiah says, Isaiah gives him a reality check. Says, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Jesus was preaching to those who were lodged on the sides of the pit. Ezekiel saw it in Ezekiel 32. The strong among the mighty shall speak to him out of the midst of hell with them that help him. They are gone down. Noah, go ahead and give me Ezekiel 32, 21 to 23. I think I'd like to read that. I'd like to have you read it with me. Ezekiel 32, 21. The strong among the mighty shall speak to him out of the midst of hell with them that help him. They are gone down. They lie uncircumcised, slain by the sword. Asher is there and all her company. His graves are about him, all of them slain, fallen by the sword, whose graves are set in the sides of the pit, and her company is round about her grave, all of them slain, fallen by the sword, which caused terror in the land of the living. That's why Brother Branham said, don't ever let anyone tell you the devil's not real. Don't ever let anyone tell you hell is not a real place. It's real and open for business now. Amen. Jesus went there and preached to souls in prison, captive audience who had no chance to get out because they repented not when God was long-suffering. People who wouldn't hear his servants, though he sent them continually, they killed his servants actually. People who wouldn't come to church. People who would walk out while the word was being preached. Here's something they didn't like and turn around and, 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 and I remember a testimony, I forget the sister's name, elderly sister, was there, I believe, I believe it was in choosing of a bride. I'm pretty sure, if that might stand correction, I believe it was choosing of a bride. And... Um, and, and at the end, you, you can hear Brother Ram becomes very emotional. You know, he's warning Hollywood, you know, repent Los Angeles and your honeycomb is right under you. And he's crying out there. And, uh, and, and, 
and we, we find that he had really been hard on, on how people dress and, and he had really went after, you know, women with high-heeled shoes and he went to the scripture and pointed out that the, the Bible talks about in the last days that women would mince as they walk, clearly showing that they're their high heels are so high, they're, they're walking funny and, and, and the way high heels cause a woman's figure to be accentuated. And it's all done on purpose. Amen. And it wasn't just the women, it was men and different things. And, and, and that's why I said, you know, even the foolish virgin were sanctified people. Yeah. See, so, so we find that, that they, when you can hear all the people screaming and crying in a pandemonium, the anointing is there so strong. And this sister... Uh, a minister asked her, what were the people doing? We could hear all of the commotion. She said half the audience was on their face crying out to God in repentance and the other half had got up, spun around and clickety-clacked their high heels right out the door. They didn't want to hear that kind of word. I, I recently preached a funeral. First time it's ever happened to me in my entire, in 35 years of preaching funerals. I'd always said that I, one of the things I like about preaching funerals is you can say whatever you want, nobody will walk out because it's a funeral. That's the truth. And, and, and I just preached a funeral, broke my 35-year record. And I'm not, all I'm doing is talking about something so glorious, something so wonderful that a prophet gave an assurance to mothers with wayward children. And said that wayward child, yes, said, all right, here's what you do, sister. You claim them. You take the same faith that you believe for yourself. And you claim that child. And said, and don't you, and you claim it. And said, and if you never see it. And you go to your grave. And you never see it. On the resurrection, when you come up, that faith will still be burning in your heart. Because you come up like you went down. And he said, and at that time, God will have to answer to that faith and he cannot lie and he'll have to bring them in. What a glorious promise. Can you imagine that that would make somebody so angry that they would jump off the front row and try to barrel out the side door and make a scene? Unfortunately, the Lord locked the door and they couldn't get out and embarrass themselves. Kicked at it and shook at it and banged on it and finally sat down red in the face. Oh, my. I'm going to tell you something, friends. There's going to be a lot of embarrassed people on the day of judgment. They'll hear this sermon that we read about in Matthew 24. I'll promise you that. Nobody's going to walk out on that sermon. They'll hear that sermon to the last word. When you get a convicted felon who's already convicted, you ever notice that they stand up very respectfully to, to hear their sentence? You know why they do that? Because they know that the judge just might have a little bit of mercy on them. They're already convicted. They're definitely going to prison. But, but the judge hasn't yet sentenced them. And so they stand up and they're, they're a terrible person, but they're very respectful because they want to see if maybe, just maybe, he'll have a little bit of mercy. I'm here to tell you something, friends. These people are going to stand at attention. They won't walk out of that sermon. There ain't nowhere to walk to. Amen. Hallelujah. They'll stand there till the last minute. The ministry of the Lamb that we see in the lives of the people 
will go all the way down to the last days. Don't ever lose sight of the fact that your life itself is a sermon to the world. Satan had made his boast that he would ascend above the family of God. But I'm going to tell you something, friends. I've thought about this, and the imagery has been in my mind since I was a very young man, started preaching. I just see that day when Jesus preaches his last sermon to the masses. And when the, and the Bible, and I could go in all kinds of different scriptures that, that talks about how that his enemies shall be brought before the Son and they shall be slain in his presence. There's scriptures that talk about Satan being brought forward and the people shall narrowly look upon him. We could have read it in some of the things we read. And how that they will even be astonished, is this the man that caused nations to tremble? You mean I fell for this guy? And now I'm doomed because I listened to him? And I rejected the king on his throne? Oh, friends, it it makes me shiver to think. But I, I can just see... I can see in my mind's eye, I can see Christ. I read you some of his sermon material already. Oh, it's going to be a a sad day for the unbeliever, but a happy day for those who stayed humble before the Lord. When he steps off of his throne before Satan is carried away, this is my own license, but I just see Christ one last time saying, Lucifer, you see this bride seated with me on this throne and you said you would ascend above her. That's not going to happen. You said you would be like me. That's not going to happen. I let you have it all, Satan. I let you have the government. I let you have the education. I let you have science. I let you have entertainment. I let you have pulpits. I let you have families. And when you were at your zenith, I took my word and I perfected my bride right under your nose. I didn't sucker punch you. I didn't catch you looking away. I didn't wait for you to be in a weak moment. When my bride was weak, then I was strong. And I have perfected her today. I'm so happy to be a part of that number, friends. Are you happy to be a part of that number? Oh, my. Satan had made his boast. He's always bragging. He's always boasting. Oh, I can hear him declaring, you know, Christ declaring how that he was always in control of his bride. He allowed Satan to afflict them. Sure, he allowed it. He allowed Satan to afflict them with, oh my, he afflicted them with persecutions and, and sickness and, and I mean, cancers and tuberculosis and all kinds of diseases and crippling and some of them God healed. You know why? You know why I think God healed some of them? To show Satan you don't matter. And then others, as the Bible says, others he allowed to have cruel cruel mockings and he allowed them to go down and and they even refused deliverance of of whom the Paul says the world was not even worthy. Think of a life that the world isn't even worthy of, friends. Oh, my, he's not talking about perfect people. He's talking about people who had perfect faith and a perfect God. 
Hallelujah. I don't claim to be a, a perfect person, but my faith in his word is perfect. That's the faith of Abraham, not that Abraham wasn't a perfect person. Abraham made mistakes. The Bible doesn't say Abraham never stumbled. The Bible says Abraham never stumbled at the promise. It didn't matter what mistakes he made. He just kept going forward with the promise. Oh, my goodness. Some of them he, some of them he allowed to go through tragedy. Some of them he allowed to go through sickness. Some of them he allowed to go through suffering. And then you know what he did? He let Satan torment them and make them suffer and have tragedy. And then he snatched them and brought them home. You know why he did that? You know why he let them die under that cancer or under that tuberculosis or under that COVID? You know why he did that? To show Satan again, you don't matter. I can still bring them home. He doesn't matter, friends. He doesn't matter. He he runs nothing in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. I know my Redeemer liveth. The sinner arrived at at his judgment bar by a refusal to have the word rule over his life. Many even after being given opportunity to serve, to serve God, uh, chose, as did Judas, to betray the word and join the, I call them the going, going, gone crowd. They're going to go out of existence. Let them rage all they want. Let them jump up and down, turn blue in the face. I don't care. They're part of the going, going, gone crowd. Hallelujah. He warned them. We read it in Jeremiah 30. We, 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 you know, he talks about it in 1 Thessalonians 2.4. He said how that they, they killed the Lord Jesus and they killed their own prophets and they persecute us. And they, Paul talks about to the Thessalonian church, they even forbid us to speak. Can you imagine? I mean, it's bad enough that you reject the word of God and then try to get somebody else to stop preaching it. Right. My goodness. I mean, how, what kind of insanity is that? And um, it's fine. If it's not for you, then go on. Live in peace. Do all you can. Be all you can. This is all you'll ever have. God bless you. Carry on. See, Brother Branham even talks about it. It's right on tape. Said people with their cigarettes and their alcohol. Brother said, don't take that from them. That's the only happiness they'll ever know. See, I'm not trying to reform people. I'm trying to get them the gospel. See, Uh, that's all they'll ever have. And, and, and so, you know, I'm trying to persuade them to give their heart to Christ and then they won't have to preach about cigarettes and booze. The Holy Ghost cleans up lives. I don't have to stand up here and, and, and take it in that direction, see? Of course, there's nothing wrong with gun barrel preaching. I get it. <clears throat> so, so we find then that, that they, they, this increasing madness that, that is, I think we could fairly say, is infecting the minds of all humanity. And it was prophesied that the whole world whose names are not in the book of life would take the mark of the beast, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain before the foundation of the world. All of them will worship the beast, although it seems impossible that that would happen. Because when, you, when the, the description of the beast is so clear and what he'll do and what he'll be, you think ahead and go, nobody would fall for that. But they will. 
And the reason they will then is because they're already being drawn and conditioned now. See, by, by, the, by the things of the world. The Bible doesn't call it Jacob's trouble for nothing. It's, it's, it, it's called a tribulation period. And, you know, the, the Bible declares that, that it'll be a day like has never been and will never be again. Those aren't idle words. Those are not idle words. In the end, you know, to be... And I guess for me, this is always the most heartbreaking part. This is the part where I see weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth in its greatest fulfillment is that they will, for a brief time, be able to see what they've missed out on. It's, it, to me, when they see the bride on the throne, and when they see the king, and when they have their life played back, and they can see that they had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, and God was willing to even grade them on a curve. They, even if they couldn't see the message of the hour, if they'd just be a sanctified person. That's all that, he'd find a way. He, 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 even he even offered Cain, all you got to do is act like your brother, I'll find a way for you. And when they stand there and they, they saw the example of the true word of God and to realize that they, they destroyed their own self because they wouldn't accept it. And, and then not only that, but then to see what the bride, because he, in their presence, he says to the, even the foolish virgin, enter into the joys of the Lord prepared for you before the foundation of the world. And they're going to have to stand there and see that. To me, that's the most horrible part. I've talked about, you know, a horrible part about, you know, in a a sermon I preached years ago, leaders die last. And and that was just taken from the principle of the book of Joshua where they, they go to army, they go to war with five kings and when they're fighting, the five kings run into a cave and hide and then Israel you know, routes the enemy and, and God gives them great victory and they come to Joshua and they say, we've got the kings trapped in a cave. They went in there and Joshua says, all right, listen, just, just block it up, put stones in front of it so they can't escape. Go ahead and finish the war. Go ahead and finish the battle, kill all the enemy and, uh, and even God come down and helped them and killed more than they killed. God stoned them from heaven. And he said, then we'll come back and deal with these leaders because leaders get killed last, see? And so, so I, I, I was showing, just showing how that, you know, Brother Brandon talks about Elvis Presley and all the millions of young teenagers that he sent, helped send to the lake of fire. Leaders in this world, great leaders who think they have all this power and great political power and great economic power and, and the brain trust of the world. And, and they're going to be the ones responsible for Armageddon. Yes, that's the madness. That they're literally going, they're so, they're, the insanity is going to, and it's already burgeoning now. It's already happening now. I, I'm here to tell you something, friends. There is, there is change coming. There, I was, Brother Mark and I were, we were sharing this, this thing that we, uh, together uh, on, on technology, on AI and different things like that. And I'm not here to preach a science lesson, but I'm just here to tell you that, that even the experts are, they know that they're headed for destruction, but, they, but everybody's got to be the first one. So everybody just got, I know we're killing ourselves, but I can't get beat. 
that's the insanity. And, it's, and the Bible tells me, say, oh, you're a doom and gloom. I'm not. I'm just a Bible reader. And I know that they come and destroy themselves. God doesn't destroy the world. God loves the world. God loves life. He doesn't even, he doesn't even take pleasure in the death of the sinner. He would that all men come to repentance. Mankind is going to destroy himself. Say, why? Because he's determined to. I'm so glad I got a different kind of a mind. I'm so glad something came into my heart. And I said, I'm not of this world. This world is not my home. Hallelujah. I got another one coming. Jacob's trouble. And that they will have to, you know, and and so for, for every leader, for every parent who pushed their innocent children into beauty pageants and talent shows and get on there and win the big title. America's got this and Britain's got this and every country's got their this now. And parents literally, literally prostituting their children to make them famous in the world. I'm here to tell you, when those children are being led to the lake of fire, mom and dad will have to back up because leaders die last. And you're going to stand there and you're going to hear the screams of that child. This isn't a fairy tale or a horror story. This is real. This is what the Bible foretells. And they're going to have to stand there and hear the screams of their children as they're cast in. Elvis will have to stand there and hear the screams. Uh, Presidents will have to stand and hear the screams of the people. Leaders die last. And how they have to stand there and see what they missed out on. To see the eternities. To see that bright new world. To see the king ready to get on with it. And all that's doing is he's just eliminating all, just like we read in Jeremiah. He's eliminating, he's establishing his family, which he was always going to do. No matter what anybody did, that was always going to end that way. He gave everybody an an opportunity. Everybody got a fair square chance. Everybody gets a fair trial. No, that's why I've said in Matthew 25, go to Matthew 25, read all through it. Go, go to the book of Revelation. Go into 18, 19, 20, 21. Read all through there. Read, read what happens in 19 and 20. You don't find anybody carrying signs or marching. You don't find anybody crying foul or injustice. Because there's a knowing at that point that everybody standing there in the presence of that judge knows very well that they are guilty. And everybody goes to their fate, not kicking and screaming, but with their head bowed and to see what they're going to miss out on. To me, that, to me that's, the, that's the gritting of the teeth. That's the, because when, it, when something is so bitter, when, when a disappointment is so bitter that it, you just grind your teeth over it and people just agonize and one of the greatest agonies is what it didn't, what could have been. That I, I lost it all and it need not have been. I didn't have to lose it all. I could have gained it all. And it's not my fate. I, I'm here to tell you, you know, you, you can say what you want and condemn me if you want. But to me, I think the lake of fire that will finally take them out of existence will be mercy. 
to know that, to know that I could have had that and I missed out on it because I wanted my own way. Oh, friends, the, the gospel comes with mercy to you today. Don't leave this building without the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. He calls to you from a, from a heart that loves you and wants to give you a new life and give you a new world and save you from destruction. He's not an evil God. He's a loving God. It's the devil trying to kill you. It's the devil trying to destroy you. It's the devil that hates you. To be gone forever and miss out on the grandest purpose of life. Oh my, when everything is stripped away, as I said here recently, and there's only remaining pure life, I'm looking forward to that, friends. I'm so looking forward to that. Brother Branham says in the message, investments, and I'm going to turn a corner here and make a run for the finish line. In investments, it's a good sermon. Investments. You want to make sure you're investing in the right thing. He says, that's where people have got to. We, we've joined church, which is all right. We do those things, but you say, are you a Christian? Well, I'm a Methodist, I'm a Baptist, I'm a Presbyterian, Pentecostal, or something. It's just a tradition. There's no entering in sincerity anymore. They won't move up, cope with the scriptures and things. They just live any way they want to. If they got a pastor tries to correct them, they out him. They have nothing to do with him. If he can't bring Hollywood in the church, parties, bunco parties, soup suppers, and everything else. Now, you know, we live in a more modern day. You know, so, I mean, I, I, I have a hard time talking about bunco party soup suppers. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> Maybe they still do that, but I think it's a much more, you mind if I modernize it just a little bit here? You know, if we can't have modern worship with lights and effects and have the men looking like beatniks with sissified hairstyles and gold chains, if we can't have the women standing on the stage with their ripped up jeans and their Jezebel appearance from head to toe, if we can't have that, we don't want it. I say, I don't want that. I don't ever want that. I want nothing to do with Hollywood. See? Jezebel styles head to toe. And that's not a phrase of speech. I literally mean all the way out to their fingers and toes. Jezebel styles. Enough said. And let, the, Brother Branham says, and let the women act any way they want to dress any way they want to, immorally anything. Sex appeal becomes a modern trend. Here's what a prophet said in 1964 that I agree with in 2023. It's a disgrace. He says in God of this evil age, 1965, this is the west coast over here, furthest west you can go. Now the sin barrier has thundered down beneath the earth and she's sinking places in Los Angeles and Hollywood, sinking so many inches per hour, no way to stop it. Yeah, we're here. Most any time we'll hear the summons, see. He says in spiritual amnesia, I can imagine, <clears throat> he says, I can imagine seeing on one hot day in Samaria there, the one of the greatest tourist cities of the world of that day. It's, it's something on the order of, we'd say, Miami or Hollywood or Los Angeles, some of them places like that, some great place for tourists. And we can just imagine him seeing him, <clears throat> talking about Amos here, 
And he had never been in such a city, but he had the word of the Lord. And he was coming to this great city where sin was heaped up on every side. The ministers had all got away from the word of God. And they hadn't had a prophet in long years. Brothers, we must never get away from the word of God. Bethel ministry team, we must never get away from the word of God. If we get away from the word of God, then God's people will get away from the word of God. And that's on us. I'm here to tell you, stand strong, my brothers. Hallelujah. The people will love you for it on that day. Spiritual amnesia. I thought, what a title. I thought to myself, spiritual amnesia. You know, I thought about this. I thought, spiritual amnesia really is the, is the global pandemic, not COVID. Spiritual amnesia. Jesus had said in Matthew 10, fear, now catch this, catch it real close. Fear not them which kill the body. What everybody was afraid of in COVID. Fear not them which kill the body. Fear not them. Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather, fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. I could hardly believe how men and women who were supposed to be believers were so afraid of what COVID-19 could do to their bodies that they stopped coming to church. For months, even after it was, even after it had just reduced itself to just a, a mild illness globally, and they still stopped coming. See? Even after it had muted, mutated into, into just a, a mild flu at best. Now, listen, I mean, and, and then, of course, and, you know, but gathering everywhere else was fine. Come on, all. Come on. Don't leave me up here by myself. There was no problem to go to restaurants, go work in other people's homes, go to, go to, go to ball games and concerts and places of entertainment and recreation. That's no problem, but I can't go to church. Now, look, I'm not here. I'm not here on this last day of the new year to be nasty or to browbeat you or to, you know, to uh, make this a bully pulpit. It's not, it's not what I'm preaching on today. I get there was a time for caution. I understand that. People died when it first started. I, I understand that. You know, I, 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 and we did. We, you know, and we said, and we did. We said we will act in prudence, and we did. Sure, sure. You know, we observed, <clears throat> and we took prudent steps for safety. We had our brothers uh, install high-tech air purification systems in our HVA, HVAC systems so that it constantly purified the air. We, we reduced the gathering even for several weeks to a, when it was at its peak, and we reduced it to a skeleton broadcast crew. We asked people, you know, for a while to wear masks as they entered or exited the building. We did that for weeks. We social distanced inside, and we went to fist bumping, and we didn't even assemble on Wednesday nights up here together. So I get it. We did that. There, there was nothing wrong with that. We acted responsibility. We acted responsibly, 
and we acted prudently. There's nothing wrong with acting responsibly and prudently. You should. But we kept saying to you, but not in fear. Act responsible, but not in fear. You, you, you say, Brother Jason, why is this important? Why is it important today? Because I said to you then that this is one that's coming and there'll be five more behind that and 10 more behind that. And I'm here to tell you something, friends. The world is falling apart and there's going to be more coming. Why am I preaching on it today? Why do I think to bring this up today? Because the world, there's more coming. And I want to tell you today, don't act in fear. We have don't, and you know, and what was it shocking to me? It was so shocking. I found it amazing how little to no regard there was for the lack of assembling at the house of God and what it was doing to their souls and to the souls of their children. And it still is. And even with all the signs of the near end falling all around us, there's, there's such an affliction of spiritual amnesia among some of God's best and brightest. Amen. Some of God's best and brightest. There's a compliment for you. See, I'm not up here to make you feel bad. You're God's best and brightest. And I don't want to see you act in fear over something about your body at the expense of your soul. My goodness, friends. I mean, are, are, are you not aware what a rarity you are in election? Have you lost that deeper sense of what you are in Christ? Are you, do you remember that the Lord has set you free from sin? Don't do things that would harm your soul at trying to save your body. Let my body go to the grave, but let my soul be humble before the Lord. I want to accomplish the mission he desires me to accomplish. You know, how is it that we find ourselves in this day when we see what's happening in the world and the, it's, it's dreadful in one sense and it's exhilarating in another. Brother Mark and I were talking about this this morning, talking back and forth over, over a, a published um, News, re- news report. And you can see that the world is headed towards self-destruction. And that you should say, how can you be happy over that? Well, I'm not happy that the world is being destroyed. And I'm not happy that people are going to suffer. That's terrible. That's dreadful. It's why I preach to try to get them to not go through that. You don't have to go through that. There's a way out. You can get a token. You can get on board. You don't have to stay here. See? It's terrible for the people who stay here, but it's exhilarating for me to think because Jesus said, when you see these things happening, look up, lift up your head. Your redemption draweth nigh. Hallelujah. How my, how is it that we look at a world, you know, so forlorn and there's such doom and and yet I, I still look to the future with great excitement. I think, I said to Brother Mark, I think we've already subconsciously let go of this world and realized we're part of another one. How many are part of another one, friends? While the world literally tumbles into headlong self-destruction, we, we will not only survive, we will thrive. I'm not going to be a survivor. I'm going to be a thriver. Hallelujah. We have the 
tools here, and I'm going to close on this point. We have everything here on this last day of the new year. You know, I, 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 I wouldn't want you to go out of this year into the new year with frets and worries and guilt of 2023. I want to say to you today, friends, let 2023 and all of its shortcomings and all of its mistakes, and I made plenty of them, let them go. Let them go. Let them go with the, with the new year coming. Start again. Say, oh, I wish I hadn't have done this. So do I. I wish I hadn't have done that. So do I. Oh, Brother Jason, but if you only knew. Well, if you only knew. I'm here to tell you, we're all in this thing together. And I just want to tell you, let it go. His mercies are new every morning. They're going to be new, brand new tomorrow morning. Enjoy his mercies. Let it go with the old year. Let it go. Say, Satan, it's fine. It's on your head. I repented. I put it in the blood. And now it's on your head. And I'm free. And I'm clean. And I can look forward to the future. I don't have to grovel and, and, and roll around on the ground with regrets and this and missed opportunities and that failure and this failure. Oh, my goodness, friends. Say 2023, goodbye and good riddance. 2024, say, you're looking forward to a new year? Yes. To do what? To serve His Majesty. I have counted it such a privilege to be in service to the king. How about you, Bethel Tabernacle, who is willing to serve his majesty, the king? Oh, let's stand to our feet, friends. This is the hour that he has brought perfection back to his bride. This is the hour where the word has come to give you perfect faith. Prophet just said it so beautifully. Watch a perfect God. Keep a perfect promise. Is that you? You believe in a perfect God? Ready to keep a perfect promise? Oh, let's bow our heads, friends. Father, we we thank you. Staring at Lines and lines and more lines and whole paragraphs that I have in this sermon. And yet I feel the Holy Spirit nudging me. Say, enough is said. Well said, enough is said. Now compel the people to accept the word they've heard today. Lord, may you move on every heart. Lord, no matter what the enemy has perpetrated against us, we give it to you right now. Lord, I raise up both my hands and I say, Father, I'm very sorry. I'm awfully sorry for my underperformance in the past year. I'm awfully sorry that I didn't always have the courage I needed to have. I'm awfully sorry that I, my prayer life wasn't, if it had been, Lord, I might have overcome that temptation. I'm sorry for that, Jesus. You want to raise a hand up and pray that kind of prayer to the Lord? Say, Lord, I just want to take the whole year, Lord, and I want a purpose in my heart to put it all under the blood. I'll fix what I can, and you'll have to fix the rest. And 
Lord, I, I just want to serve you. I, I want to see this audience going into the new year, Lord, with a, a new vision to look forward, a new purpose in their heart. Lord, the, the world is just is shattered. And it's, it's it, Lord, when you, when you descended, Lord, in this day with the open book, you found the world in a catastrophe. 2,000 years of the Holy Spirit bound under at the door, as a prophet said, at bound at the door of creeds and dogma. Couldn't move in the church like he intended. So you called a bride out of that church and you set her free. You led her out into green pastures, shady green pastures. Oh, Father, you gave her fresh drink and fresh food and a fresh presence. You gave her the living realities of the living God and we're basking in the august presence of the sunlight of God's world. We thank you for this, Lord. But, Father, we're humans and, and, and we still stumble. And I just ask you, Lord, as the, as the psalmist said, Lord, remember we're but dust. Won't you, Jesus? Remember we're but dust. We try hard, Lord. Help us to try harder. We are committed to you. Help us to be more committed. We confess all of our wrongs to you, all of our weaknesses to you, and all of our coulda, shoulda, woulda. We just confess it all to you right now. And I ask you, Master, to help us now. Lift us up above the shadows. Cleanse hearts and minds, Lord. If there's anyone here who's never known you and the power of your resurrection, may they just surrender their heart to you right now. May they just say, Preacher, is there anybody here? All heads bowed now. Is there anybody here want to say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm that person. I want to surrender to God. I want to give my whole life to Him. God bless you, friends. Hands up everywhere. Young people, old people, married, single. Say, Lord, I want to know you in the realities of your resurrection. I want to know you in the fellowship, Lord. About whatever the Word has, Lord God, you see hands everywhere, sincere hearts before you. I pray for them, Lord. I offer this prayer. I offered them the opportunity to defy gravity, raise up their hand so that you'd see it. Lord, if there's anybody else, if you're here today and maybe you didn't have the courage at that moment 30 seconds ago, but you'd like to raise your hand now, all heads are bowed, just the Lord is looking. You'd like to raise your hand to the Lord and say, Father, have mercy on me. I pray you'll grant it, Lord. I know you see those hands. Father, I commit this audience, I commit this whole church, I commit myself, I commit the ministry. Lord, the ministry team that you've gathered and assembled here, all of our teams, Lord, that work so diligently, so faithfully. I pray your blessing will be upon us as a church, as a congregation. Lord, let this be a place where you enjoy coming to. Let this be a place that welcomes the Holy Spirit. Never let it be a place, Lord, of defiance or arrogance, Lord. Nay, Lord, no, no, no. Let it be a place where people love you and they love your word, Lord, and you can come freely, hand out your gifts and blessings in abundance to us, Lord. Help us in our lives and in our homes. and Move in the families, move upon parents, move upon leaders, Lord, to care about their souls and to care about the souls of those under their charge to care more, Lord, and not have the fear of the world because, Lord, the world is about to become a much more fearful place. As we felt led of you some months ago, Father, and we took a text from the Scripture, 
to show, and it was a great question, how that if you, if you can't run with the footman, how will you handle the horse? If you, can't, if you can't fight and stand in the day of battle against the foot soldier, how are you, what chance do you have when the horseman comes? Lord, I pray you help us now to be brave, be strong in the power of your might, casting down all vain imaginations, casting down anything that exalts itself against your word, Lord. May we be loyal to your word. Father, we're purposing in our heart, Master, to do more for you. To not just do more for you, but to be more for you so that you may do more through us. Grant it to us, Lord God. We love you. We thank you. Lord, I commit this audience into your hands. You saw hands that went up. And I pray that even after this service concludes, Lord, that you'll, you'll continue to speak to hearts. Lord, may tonight when, or this afternoon when we come to receive your, your broken body and symbolism, to take your life in the, in the wine, your blood in the New Testament, to symbolize the Holy Spirit. Lord, the Bible says, let a man examine himself. I, 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 don't, I hope that by this afternoon, nobody is still having to examine themselves. May they examine right now. May we all examine our hearts before your presence right now. May we be committed to you and dedicated to you. I come to this last sermon of this year, Lord. If it's the last one I ever preach, I'm, I feel satisfied in the Holy Spirit that what was needed to be said was said and nothing more. So I commit it to you, Lord. I commit it to the, those who will hear it maybe across a recording, Father. You know and judge the hearts of all men. So I leave it with you, Lord. I leave it with you, Jesus. Commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing, Brother Anthony. I know the master of the wind. Oh, yes. I know. I know the maker of the rain. He can. He can calm the sea and let the sun shine again. Do you believe that? I know. I know the master of the wind. Lift it up now. We all know that one. I know. I know the master of the way. Yes, Lord. I'm so glad I know it. I know the maker of the rain. He can calm the storm to make the sun shine again. Yes, Lord. I know the master oh, of
God.